Hi there, this is Clark Terry here, reminding you to pull your bearskins a little closer to the fire. That's it. <laughs> now you're talking to me. Ah, watch out for those snapping sparks. Everybody cozy? Now the good news is that you're in time for the humble farmer. You've worked hard all day, and you deserve to relax now. So stay right there and listen to the best of this kind of music.
move, moving right along. Scott Hamilton here on The Humble Farmer. This program is brought to you by The Humble Farmer Bed and Breakfast in St. George, Maine. Thank you for listening. I just happened to run into Scott Hamilton's mother the other day down in the harbor. I should see her sometime, get an interview with her. They're always wondering, you know, what did... What did all these musicians do? Where were they born? What did they do? Nobody knows. But if I was talking to his mother, I'd probably get the straight story, wouldn't you imagine? Does your spouse accuse you of telling the same story three times within the same hour? Mine does, so it is with some trepidation that I mention, perhaps once again, that I built my career as an on-stage comic all wrong. I went about it all wrong. Think about this. Had I doped and ravished several young lovelies along the way, I would have long ago, no doubt about it, I would have long ago been acclaimed as an internationally famous humorist and now be able to pay my own heating and dental bills without whining to my friends. Because it is never too late to start a good thing, I am putting the general public on notice. Please let your grandmothers and great-aunts know, from now on, the humble farmer is packing pills. No, seriously now. What kind of a world do some of these wimpy, insecure, but famous men live in where they feel they need to give women pet peel some kind of pet pill to achieve their desires. Now that I am well past the statue of limitations, I feel safe to confess that I, too, carried pet pills with me when I visited an occasional female friend for the first time, years and years and years ago. Without Think about this. Without eating two or three pet pills myself, I would never have had the strength to drive home.
Fletcher Henderson. My wife, Marsha, the almost perfect woman, had her purse stolen in a train station in Rome. So you can believe that my wife was very pleased to hear about the Italian tourist who had her pocketbook stolen while she was in this country looking at the Liberty Bell. This is good. It is a bad bargain that can't work both ways.
boom, Scott Hamilton here on The Humble Farmer, where, with any luck at all, you can hear me playing old-fashioned music just for you every week at this time, right here on your favorite station. Thank you for listening. Some of us tend to make life more complicated than it needs to be, and you know what I'm talking about, because we both have friends who see simple and straightforward solutions to everything. For example, listen to this now. My neighbor Don, who comes from way up north in the county, Don said that it was a waste of taxpayer money to keep people on death row for 15 or 20 years. Well, I told Don about a man who was just released after 16 years on death row for a crime he didn't even commit. And Don said, that's what I mean. That wouldn't have happened if they'd just shot him. On an island off the coast of Maine, your story's often told. Across the boulders when the wind blows wild and cold Sailors hear your mournful wails when squalls come up at night And they know they're in the presence of the keeper of the light Why do you walk those broken rocks forever, Captain Bright? So many men we've seen you when the waters rage at night A sad-eyed apparition shrouded all in white Lost in time and memory, the keeper of the light About your husband, once the keeper of the light, how he drowned in surging waters on that fatal winter night. You kept the lighthouse burning strong to keep the sailors warm and saved the lives of countless men the five days of the storm. Why do you walk those broken rocks forever, Catherine Bright? So many men we've seen you when the waters rage at night. A sad eyed apparition shrouded all in white. Lost in time and memory, the keeper of the light. When they found you in the lighthouse, once they made it cross the reef, you had drifted into madness, from exhaustion and For five days without food or sleep you kept the ships from harm Then sat down with this frozen lifeless body in your arms Why do you walk those broken rocks forever, Catherine Bright? So many men we've seen you when the waters rage at night A sad-eyed apparition shrouded all in white Lost in time and memory, the keeper of the light Why do you walk those broken rocks forever, Catherine Bright? So many men we've seen you when the waters rage at night A sad-eyed apparition shrouded all in white Lost in time and memory, the keeper of 
the light Lost in time and memory The keeper of the light You're lost in time and memory The keeper of the I guess they're gone, Dave Rowe and his buddies. <laughs> keep, keep on the light. Of course, when I was in the Coast Guard, my goodness, 60 years ago, we spent a lot of time at lighthouses. So that I think of that when I hear that song. We had to lug coal. You put a bag of coal on your shoulder and you walk from the shore where they landed it up to the lighthouse and then we'd pump oil into them. I don't know. What a way to spend your, the best days of your youth lugging coal into lighthouses for the keeper of the light. I have too much to do nowadays. One of the first things I learned to say in Swedish back in 1960 was, I have so much to do. My Aunt Sally said this all the time, and I think of her every morning because I have a postcard she sent me inside a clock that I wind every morning, this antique clock on the wall. And in 1960, I was of the opinion that it wouldn't make a bit of difference if my Aunt Sally did anything or not. So when I don't have time to get the cement to pour my foot in or buy the planks to support my new solar panels or make TV programs or cut down the dead oak and apple trees and plant more carrots and organize my garage, I with my book, a visit with friends, or take a shower, or take a nap, I know that it won't make a bit of difference if I do or not. Well, I, I didn't get that quite right. Naps do make a difference, and I think I'm going to take one right now.
Scott Hamilton here on the Humble Farmer. With any luck at all, you know, you can hear me playing old-fashioned music just for you every week at this time. Right here on your favorite station. I am the Humble Farmer at gmail.com. Love to hear from you. And what? What is the most difficult thing you have to do all day? The most difficult thing I have to do every day is whatever whatever it is that I absolutely have to do. Nothing makes a project more difficult. Nothing is the source of more procrastination like a job that you absolutely have to do. It was that way when I had to write papers in school. I'd wait till the last minute and then type. Of course, if you went to school 50 years ago, you know that typing was the most difficult part of writing a paper back then. Kids with computers and printers, you know, push a button, they know nothing of what it took to write a paper 50, 60 years ago. So anyway, I'd wait till the last minute and, and type it out, and usually staying up all night to do so. Just the mechanical part of it took hours and hours. I'd come into class with my paper in my hand, 15 minutes late for class, having gone 36 or 48 hours without sleep. I can remember hearing Dr. Emerson say one time, as I took off my little wooden shoes, my treskur, I took off my wooden shoes and tiptoed into class, and Dr. Emerson said, Well, here's General Grant's messenger right on time.
little augmented loving in there for your enjoyment. First time I heard that song, I listened to it for three or four hours without stopping. Sony gave it to me down in Eastport. I was down there doing a show. And the entire drive home at night, 10, 11, 12, 1 o'clock in the morning, I listened to that song. Oh, no, no. Charlie Gray, I think he's out of Canada. Please listen very closely to this because it is going to require your attention. Whenever I write a word Facebook hasn't seen before, this word is underlined in red. If I write habitit, it is underlined in red. If I write habitat, it is okay. What I'm trying to tell you here is that the spell checker in Facebook gives me tat for tit.
John's Bunch. I don't know where they would ever get a name like that. You, John's Bunch. Scott Hamilton, John Bunch. Dave Green on bass. Steve Brown on drums. I don't usually tell you who's playing because it really doesn't matter, does it? Unless you're the person who's playing and wants to hear your name read on the radio. My wife, Marsha, the almost perfect woman, came out to see our new photovoltaic solar panels. I just brought them home. They were in the back of my pickup truck, which now has 303,000 proud miles on it. Now, you probably know that we already generate more electricity than we need with our present 22 panels, 5,300 watts. But now... But now we will be able to use even more electric heat. We can crank it right up in them cold, cold nights, you know, the end of August when the temperature gets right down cold. We can use even more electric heat with all this extra power I'm going to install this week or next week. Once installed, these photovoltaic panels will pay us at least 6% interest for 15 years, after which I figure they will have paid for themselves and owe us nothing. These eight new panels will give us 37% more electric heat in the spring and fall and make us much more comfortable in our golden years. And we won't have to whine about not having enough oil to stay warm. How much oil... Let me ask you this. How much oil and electricity do you have to buy before it pays for itself? Like these solar panels do. Anyway... We were under the apple tree looking at the panels in the back of the truck when Marsha wistfully asked, Do you think you can get our neighbor the goose to help you unload them? And just at that moment, a man I had never seen before, about six foot four and well over 250 pounds, just as Marsha said that, this man appeared at my side, looked down at me and said, I'd like three bunches of rhubarb, please. I said, well, that can be easily arranged. I heard an angel say, wake up, wake up, your wonderful dreams come true. A newborn feeling had me reeling, I said to myself, where am I? It's all so hazy, may sound crazy, there wasn't a star in the sky. Still I saw stars, I heard a birdie sing, so sweet, so sweet, the moment I fell for you.
Django here on The Humble Farmer. Thank you for listening. I am the humble farmer at gmail.com. Love to hear from you, of course. Peggy, Peggy, who was a long-time radio friend, like, like 35 or so years, Peggy threw some names at me that I had never heard. Listen to these names. You tell me if you've ever heard any of them. Tom Brady, Amy Winehouse, Neil deGrasse Tyson, the Duga family. I had never heard of any of these people. Brady, the friend of Ronald Reagan who got shot in the head, the Brady lot. Tyson was a boxer. His son Neil is now in trouble. I asked myself these questions. I've never heard of the Duga family. You tell me, please, what kind of news do people listen to to hear these names? Yes, I do watch news clips on Roku, but there really isn't much news there. But, of course, luckily with Roku, which we do have, you can pick and choose your news and eliminate football players, movie stars, and Prince Harry's children right off the bat. My radio friend William thought I was joking, making up a story. He could not believe that I had never heard of any of these people. Please remember that you have neighbors who have lived such unique and eventful lives that they have no need to make up stories. I am one of them. And there's another factor that comes into play here. My friends who have total recall don't realize that there is another world out there and that most of us live in it.
Art Hamilton here on The Humble Farmer, where, with any luck at all, you can hear me playing old-fashioned music just for you every week at this time. Almost time to get out of here. Maybe time for one and a half more. The Humble Farmer question of the week here on No Things Considered. If you are ready, is there really any point in being a rich, handsome, and famous man? Think about this. Is it worth the bother? If you are not rich, famous, or handsome, you don't need to feel that you've missed out on something. Listen closely, please. A friend of mine in Camden, Maine, who has devoted most of his adult life to reading Hollywood movie magazines, well, this man tells me that the only advantage in being a rich man is that it enables you to find a very attractive woman who will marry you and then leave with half of everything you have. <laughs> Here in Maine, we have thousands of average men who have married very unattractive women who have done the very same thing.
next door very quickly. More and more men, women in their mid-forties are dating men in their early twenties. A local sociologist considers this to be a most unusual and unhealthy phenomenon and is hoping to discover what the two groups can possibly have in common. He says, you would think that a 45-year-old woman would seek out a 60-year-old man who could satisfy her intellectual needs. Yet we see many of these women, accompanied by no more than children, out on the town six and seven nights a week. One would think that a woman over forty would know that you can't trust a man until hair grows in his ears. Whatever do they find to talk about? What is it about these young men that older women find so attractive? (laughs) 